Hello, my friends. Kenny Stevens here, and welcome to Rookie Real Estate, where your road to success begins right here and right now. Whether you're looking to transition from your day job to your dream job, or you're on the road to your first 50 transactions, success is in the details, my friends. And we're going to unpack the fundamental principles required for you to thrive. Are you ready? Let's do this. continues. Thank you for being a part of the Rookie Real Estate family. Today, you may be listening for you, but eventually you're going to start sending people you care about to this podcast so they too can grow. Your comments and emails will fuel this podcast and potentially be the inspiration needed for somebody listening to get up off the couch make their calls, knock on some doors, to reach out to their sphere of influence, to get moving. I'd love to hear your rookie real estate stories about your first year in the business. Share them with me so that I can then put them on the podcast and share and inspire other people. You don't want to hear just about me and what happened. You want to hear, I want to hear about you guys. Everybody wants to hear about how somebody made it in this business. So thank you for coming back for more. Have you heard that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? So let me ask you a couple of questions. Have you stopped, gotten a loan, and written down your why? Have you created a family budget yet and therefore start to build your your business budget? Have you researched what the average price of home is in your market or spoken to a broker about the average commissions earned in your area? Have you taken steps based on the the podcast you've already listened to, to where you are today? Are you moving forward? Waiting for anything else to happen for you is not going to work out. If you come here every Monday, every Monday to listen, that's okay. But if you're seriously kicking this idea of real estate around in your head, you need to get busy. You need to don't just show up on Monday listening. Get something done. Put stuff on paper. This might be the profession that changes your family's stars. Nobody's going to do that for you. You've got to get up and you got to do it for yourself. Figure out your why. Because if it's not real estate, it's going to be something else. And you need to know it either way. Your wife needs to know it. Your kids need to know it. People that love you need to know who you are and why you do what you do. So if I've not driven you insane yet, which is very well could happen, get up and write it down and figure it out. I'm so excited today because I get to interview a rookie that came on. uh, I sold his house and he came on and it's such a great interview. We recorded it earlier and we're going to overlay it. I'm going to be able to stop a few times and really dig into what he's saying. But it was a great interview. It was raw. It was not rehearsed. I gave him questions. We didn't talk about his answers. It's really good. But you're going to hear a real life true success story. So let's dive right into it and just enjoy the next 30, 45 minutes together because this is a really good episode, guys. You're going to want to enjoy or take the time to listen to this one. So here we go. All right, today we've got a real life in the flesh success story joining us today. A buddy of mine, Jim Youngblood, he is the very first interview for the Rookie Real Estate Podcast. I appreciate you coming in, Jim. Uh, Good to have you this morning. Thank you, Kenny. I appreciate the opportunity. It's a pleasure. So let me bring you guys up to speed. Uh, I met Jim through my sphere of influence. Now, you'll hear a lot about an SOI sphere of influence on this podcast. Trust me, I'm going to wear that out. But Jim was the new son-in-law of uh, a guy whose hunting lease I'm on. So this guy, I worked, uh, been been introduced to him, uh, invited to join his hunting lease, and got to know his family along the way. We went to church together and things like that. And then this guy, Jim Youngblood, comes along and starts dating this guy's daughter, which, you know, that's pros and cons. You get to hear the real life, real story from the father-in-law on this one. But luckily, he really liked Jim. They ended up getting married. I got to meet Jim. They come to church a few times, things like that. Uh, And in the process, Jim and Brittany needed to sell their homes. 
and then buy a home together after they'd already gotten married. So I got, as a sphere of influence, introduced uh, or the chance to serve you and Brittany in this process. And uh, we didn't really know each other up until that point, but you know, through just interactions with your family, your father-in-law and family through there, uh, got to know each other. So that's kind of the backstory on Jim, but a super long story short, uh, we've gotten through successfully uh, through all that sales process and got you guys a home, you guys are moved in. And then, you know, one day out of the blue, you just literally uh, called me and said, hey man, can we get together? Uh, I'd like to talk to you about real estate. And of course, I'm always willing to talk about real estate, uh, as you well know. So I really wanted to dive in, Jim, because people are driving down the road on the way to work. It's, you know, probably in gridlock, wondering, golly, why am I doing this job? I want to do something more. I want some freedom. I want some I want to be able to dream, be able to make the money I've always dreamt that I could do and things like that. But again, we're talking about a job that they're transferring from probably a career potentially to a hundred percent commission. So we'll get into that more in just a minute, but really what caused you to see real estate as a possible career path for you and kind of give us what you were already in and, and lead us into that thought process that, that you, that you had. So I just had to really out of necessity start questioning what I needed to do for a career. Um, you know, for 10 plus years, I had worked in emergency medicine. I was a paramedic, um, had achieved all of my hopes and dreams of my entire life, was a, was a flight paramedic um, for one of the most successful, you know, air medical services in the country. Um, had gone back to school, got my nursing license, had worked in critical care, emergency medicine, and, uh, you know, had really just uh, arrived at the pinnacle of nursing and emergency medicine. And I uh, absolutely loved it. It was everything that I thought it would be. And as time went on, life events happened. I started feeling the stresses and the pressures of the job and learned what burnout was, you know, things that never used to bother me started bothering me, you know, really, really bad experiences with patients started, you know, coming back to me at night, having trouble sleeping. Um, and I think that's another way we connected because yeah, with yeah. me in law enforcement and doing severe child abuse investigations and there's, you know, many flights you made with infants and things like that, it was something that we could connect with, but also, you know, you program that and you put it into a file and really probably any profession, you, you have things that you have to deal with. Not all of them are life and death like we were dealing with, but it's still things that you bring home with you. And a lot of times they say, leave it at work and then, you know, or don't bring home to work or don't bring work to home. But reality is we tend to do it. And as the pressures, you know, kind of built up with you, it was happening more and more. So that really, that was a spark that I was kind of hoping really seriously, honestly, people, I'm glad he didn't say, okay, if Kenny can do this, anybody <laughs> can do this. And I thought, well, if Kenny can do it, I could probably be really good at it. I'm glad that was not his response. Although, uh, sitting around a campfire, he may joke around with me on that one, but it still may be true. It, well, that's true. That is, that is the case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that kind of kicked off your thought process of, Hey, maybe real estate could be an option for you given you know, you'd reached where you're at, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I uh, kind of just, like I said, hit a, hit a dead end, took a sabbatical from work, just trying to gain some clarity, figure out what I needed to do. Um, started questioning myself and uh, my close friends and family. What am I good at? What do people see me doing? Where can I make an impact? And, um, you know, I realized that I was really good and enjoyed and had talents at helping people, you know at uh, taking stressful life events and making them simple and being able to, you know, regulate people's emotions in difficult times. Um, so I want to pause right there for a minute and really make sure that you heard what Jim was saying. The fun part about going back to, you know, almost three years later and, and interviewing Jim, I'm able to recall some of the things that he's talking about that I didn't remember, but he was, I mean, you've listened to Know Your Why. We covered that in the second podcast. 
after I tried to talk you out of real estate altogether. But Jim was developing his why when he was going around asking people like, hey, you know, what do you think I'm good at? People that, you know, had weight, you know, whose whose voice was loud in his ears. And sometimes in the process of developing your why and something I didn't think about when the first podcast was, you know, getting alone is critical. But I do like the point that Jim made. He started asking people that loved him and cared about him, like, what do you think I would be good at? What's what's something that I could do that, you know, would feed me, feed my soul? And then he developed through that and probably some encouragement and probably somebody being honest with him uh, figured out that maybe real estate is something that he could do. Uh, so maybe developing your why does need to be a multi-layer. I should probably add that in next time I talk about it. You know, talk to people who love you, uh, who will be honest and blunt and forthcoming with about what they think you're good at and where they think you could fit. Uh, some people, uh, you could their weight, their the weight of their uh, uh, the words that they say could really speak life into you is what I'm trying to say. So let's add that in. I mean, if it's something you're looking at, start interviewing some people that love you and that you care about and see if they can help you in developing your why. Let's continue on. And also growing up, you know, my parents, you know, built many homes, worked in new home construction, and I always enjoyed that. I was always on a construction site growing up. I understood how homes were built, Um, always had interest in the market, in the finances of homes, saw them as good investment opportunities, you know, whether for a family or, you know, a separate investment. Um, And so that's really what started to lead me to the possibility of me getting into real estate as a career um, is, uh, you know, still helping people. You know, I helped people with with death, which was, you know, one of the most difficult things, you know, uh, people's most difficult days of their lives, I showed up and, and intervened. Uh, you know, the ne- next, you know, statistically most stressful event is divorce. I had no intention of being an attorney or a counselor. Uh, and then, you know, the third most stressful life event is moving, you know, picking a home, picking a house, making it a home and, and moving. And uh, I really felt uh, called, you know, after uh, confiding in friends like you, family members and, and praying about it that uh, that was a logical step for me to go in to help people. So your wife, Brittany, she's in the medical field as well, and uh, you, actually how you guys met, but that's another story for another day. But coming in with, when you started verbalizing this thought process with your wife, and you like, you know, knowing how far you had gone in uh, school and how much time it took you and all the clinicals and things like that, and eventually... Uh, arriving, you know, riding a helicopter and, and showing up and doing all the things that you did. How did you start verbalizing this with your wife going, you know, I'm, I'm thinking this may not be what I want to do the rest of my life. What, what did that look like? Or how did that feel? Or how did she respond? Is kind of really what I'm reaching at because there's somebody driving that goes, if I decide to do this, I've got to break it to my entire family. And of course, you know my story. I my whole family were police officers. My grandfather, my mom, my dad, my twin brother. All it was blue bloods. We could have been a a, a reality TV show, honestly. And then I had to breach that with them. So I'm wondering how that uh, went with you and your wife, Brittany, yeah. uh, in the discussion. Yeah, I mean it was hard. It was really, really hard because everybody that knew Brittany and I saw us as, you know, a power couple here in in the local area. You know, she was, you know, a nurse manager and a leader, uh, you know, in the children's hospital. And I was the same thing on the adult side, you know, working uh, for LifeLight. So it was really hard. So you've mentioned, you've, you've heard Jim mention several times, it was really, really hard bringing that up to Brittany, his wife. And what came to mind whenever he was saying that was if you go and drop a bomb on your spouse that you're fixing to, I'm quitting my job, I'm going into real estate, you may not get the response that you, and really it may not even be fair to expect a positive, encouraging response from your spouse if you just go and drop that in their lap. What what Jim was saying was he, he had already thought about and talked to people and created and, and 
maybe not knowing at the time, developing his why, but he didn't just, you know, throw this all at Brittany at one time. He kind of had in his mind, you know, why and reasons and, you know, breached it to her in a way that hopefully she could absorb without going just, I'm doing it. This is it. I'm out. And if you jump like that and you go, I'm out, unless you've got a year or two's worth of income available and ready, don't quit your day job for your dream job because your dream job could literally become a nightmare. That's what we're talking about in rookie real estate. Create the plan and then give your spouse, whether you're, you're sharing this with your wife or you're sharing this with your husband or your significant other or somebody you're dating in a serious relationship or even your family, give them a chance to absorb it. Don't just throw it at them and go, this is it. Give them a shot at being able to hear what you're saying uh, and be able to process what you're throwing at them and, and really be fair in the response that they give you and then maybe layer it out if there are any challenges that come up in the conversation as you create your plan. So Jim said several times, it was hard. I was there. I did that uh, with my family. It wasn't so much hard with my wife as it was with, you know, breaching the subject with my mom who's 30 years into law enforcement. You go, okay, Kenny, you're a grown man. You're worried about what your mom thinks? Absolutely. The way I was raised, my mom and dad, uh, they speak into my life and their words are huge in my ears. So yes, telling my, pam- my parents who've been in law enforcement their entire lives that I was thinking about getting out was uh, very, very difficult. So I could really relate here. And then I breached it and had it layered and we had a lot of conversations and it worked out well. So think about that if you get into the pack where the fact that you're just going to drop it in somebody's lap. You know, don't be shocked by unreasonable response. Uh, you need to approach that very, very delicately. Let's keep listening. hard to, you know, swallow the fact that I wasn't going to be that anymore. I had to figure out what the next step was, but uh, I knew that the past career wasn't logical anymore, and I had to take that step. Um, first, I remember confiding in my brother-in-law, Justin, um, on a hunting trip. We were on our way to Alabama, and I just remember conversing with him, you know, in the truck on the way there that, you know, can't do my job anymore. Can't, can't do it. Started talking about the pros and the cons. He had had, uh, he has a degree in construction and real estate um, and, you know, had lots of experience in it and kind of started bouncing it off of him. Uh, a couple weeks later, uh, we're all in the car, he and I and my sister-in-law and Brittany, we're in the car going to Georgia uh, to our grandmother's funeral. And uh, I really started bouncing that conversation off of him again so my wife, Brittany, would hear it. And uh, when we came home from Georgia, that's when I reached out to you. And I said, hey, let's have lunch. I need to talk. So and it was a soft approach. It was just it was, kicking tires. It wasn't like, yeah. hey, honey, I'm jumping into real estate. and Let's, uh, you know, suck it up. This is what's fixing to happen. Because that's really not the kind of guy that you are anyway. And nor is it the kind of person or process that you've got to do in transitioning if you really are looking at that. I mean, I've already covered several layers of to up into this podcast here to interview you, but I wanted to see and show through your process how it could successfully go and kicking those tires and having conversations and being, you know, transparent with your wife and your family and your brother-in-law and, you know, having those conversations. But real estate really wasn't truly new to you. Now, buying and selling homes and you'd already been through that process with me, but, you know, growing up in construction sites and, you know, rehab and your mom and dad helped us uh, in a rehab that you and I did together, right. which was yep. a lot of fun. I mean, they were all in, naturally pros at it, which was awesome. Um, so if you think back to the question when we met, and you've got a better memory than I do, but what were the main questions that you had for me? Because this is what I'm trying to base rookie real estate off off of is here's what they want to know the most and i remember my feelings and the questions i had uh, but i was in a different life situation than you were Uh, i had nearly a litter of children already at that point uh not really but was already into my uh okay when you have kids you think like you've always had kids at the time when i transitioned i had a three-year-old daughter maybe four-year-old daughter and another daughter on the way. So I didn't have a litter at that point, but uh, you once you have a kid, sometimes you just always remember yourself as having 
several kids and I've got a total of three now. So just want to clarify in case my wife listens to this and go, we did not have a litter. So just being real, throwing that out there, we had one point, one and a half kids at that point, seven children as well. So what were some of the questions that you had for me? Well, uh, my long-term memory is not the best, but to the best of my recollection, the, uh, the top question that I really had for you is what do real estate agents, what do realtors do? What does your day look like? What to expect in the business the first three months, the first six months, the first 12 months, as far as time commitments go, income, what to expect on when to start making money. Um, and then lastly is uh, how do I get my real estate license and how do I get an interview with uh, Tara and Terry DeSelms to get on the DeSelms team? You know, that was, uh, that was my main focus and purpose for our meeting. So figuring out what the what the life of a realtor looked like, obviously, uh, I was able to answer that, and uh, I'm probably a little bit too more, too blunt in the aspect of it's not a just a free for all of you get to go play golf in the mornings, and then you're going to grab a lunch with a buddy, and then you know you got drinks at three o'clock. It's it's nothing like that at all, and I, I was probably very very blunt on you know times. I mean, you've got to be committed, and there's got to be blocked and. Uh, dollar producing activities. So I'm sure I covered that and I've covered that some a little bit already in this podcast. But, you know, second one, uh, income is a big deal. And you and I both are in professions where it was a respectable income. I mean, we're at a point where we, you know, we we were able to provide for a family. We're doing good, uh, but not necessarily in my mind what I felt like I was able to really truly go after and get considering I was, you know, a government employee. I was a police officer. So, and then the last thing, going into uh, getting onto a team. Now, we've not covered that in a podcast yet, and I'm going to really dive down deep because there's pros and cons depending on your personality and what you want to do in real estate and even selling or buying and things like that, uh, whether or not a team works best for you or whether or not you know you need to get into more of a brokerage to where you're on your own and you don't have uh, necessarily the uh, the accountability or the somebody with you every day or a couple of days a week. So we'll cover that in another podcast, but clearly you, uh, you did well and answering those questions, obviously, uh, yeah, I mean, with you, the sounds real estate. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you answered all of my questions to the point to where I went straight home. I got on the internet. I found the next class, which started in two weeks and pulled the credit card out, called the wife. She was pulling up to the gym to work out after work. And I was like, hey, honey, uh, just so you know, I met with Kenny. It went great. We're going to talk more about it. But I'm signing up for real estate, real estate school right now. And it's it. I think that next Monday we had lunch. Uh, me and Tara and Brittany and you had lunch at PF Chang's right across the road here. The guy was on the phone, called his wife, had the credit card out, and scheduled real estate school. This had just gotten very real so the emotion involved for me when you interview people and they make life-changing decisions like that uh, there's a lot of weight that you feel and another reason why rookie real estate is so critical to get the information out there but this wasn't something that he just put together that day I mean we we're, we're talking about this was over several weeks that we had these conversations and that you know the final day I've laid it all out and he pulled the trigger. And then you hear also that we met with the wife. The wife needed to know what she could expect of her husband along the way because the spouse is as affected by this transition and the family is as uh, affected by this transition as the person getting the license. So I really wanted to prep the wife or the spouse as well. And plus, we always interview. If somebody's coming to work with our company, we want to interview the significant other. Sometimes they're married to crazy, and we don't want to invite crazy into uh, our environment because we just don't have time for crazy. And luckily, Brittany was amazing, and I already knew that. But uh, it's important for a business owner as well to, you know, make sure that you're interviewing people and their spouses before you know you guys get engaged and join up in our partnerships along the way. So let's continue on and sat down and because again. I may be getting ahead of my questions here, but you know, there, Brittany's a planner. Tara was a planner. I already knew whenever I got ready to do this, there was going to be a very strategic plan in place. And I knew 
having already known Brittany, even before I knew you, yeah. uh, she's very logistical and was like, okay, tell me what you've told Jim, you know, because <laughs> uh, you call her, you got the, you're on the phone, you're clicking, I'm, I'm joining real estate school, uh, you know, getting together and having that conversation. So when, when you guys prepared, like you and Brittany, you, you signed up for the class, you guys created a plan uh, and transition. So what did that look like for you guys? I mean, having it, it several years ago, but what did that look like? Yeah, well, I mean, personally for myself, I had my plan after I met with you. So then we extended it to our wives, uh, met with you and Tara. And, you know, Tara, being a planner, like you said, already had a checklist there of things that you needed to do. Which Brittany just loved that, didn't yes, you? Yes, she did. <laughs> um, you know, expenses that you're going to incur, how much it's going to cost to get your license and, and get a business going. Um, and it just gave Brittany an opportunity to ask questions as well to uh, increase her comfort level with you and Tara professionally, even though she had already known you for years you know, personally from church and, and, you know, from hunting on our farm. Um, you know, so after that, um, you and Tara pointed me in the right directions, met with a financial planner, met with uh, a CPA. And, you Which know, are all checklists that, you know, any broker that you're going to go interview with are probably going to have a systematic uh, checklist to what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they do. If they don't, then you need to keep interviewing. But, in that case, I mean, we had the first hundred things you needed to do in your first three months. Right, I mean, and we'll right. we'll probably potentially make that available on the podcast one day as well. And then brokers around the world can look at that and go, oh, yeah, that's the same. Because every city's different and, and every town and things like that and association requires different things. But uh, creating that plan, again, builds the potential for success and be able to get out and really truly launch. Uh, you know, the, how did the first three months go? They were good. They were good. I mean, uh, you and I were sitting together on April the fourteenth, and we oh were at, we were at Puckett's Boathouse having lunch after a listing appointment. Uh, I was just shadowing you at that point. I was not licensed, so I couldn't do anything. But I was just, you know, on your coattail, and uh, we were having lunch when my license posted, and it was. A great oh, day. I, I do remember yeah. that. Uh, that that truly was not planned. I yep. was thinking, <laughs> I don't remember eating in Puckett's, but now I remember you holding up your phone yep. and, you and took showing a me, and yeah, I took, took a picture. picture. Yeah. Your license had just gone active, yeah. and you had actually, you know, I had done all the numbers that that present, but you did the presentation at that one, if I remember correctly, didn't you? Is that one that you did the presentation for? I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. Either way, I was thinking it was the one over Vera Valley. So either way, my my memory. If that was the house, yes, I did. Okay. All right. Uh, But you know, it it went good. I uh, one of the first things you told me to do was establish my my sphere on paper. Um, So you know, started making a list. Started with my wedding list and uh, phone contacts. Started putting everybody's name, address, email, phone numbers down. Uh, We sat down together, crafted a launch letter. So that I could let everybody know that I was transitioning in my career. Yeah, because you're going from like Jim, the nurse paramedic, lifelike, mm-hmm. yeah. to now Jim, the real estate agent. And that process of people changing their vision when they picture you, you needed them to know and be exposed to, okay, there's a new Jim out and this Jim's here to help you. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Huge, huge change. So, you know, sent out that launch letter, started mailing out postcards, started calling, texting everybody. Um, and then, you know, spending time with people that I believe that would be my biggest cheerleaders that would help me, uh, promote me, introduce me to people. Right. Um, and, you know, when I asked Brittany how my first three months went, she said, all I can remember is your phone never stopped ringing. All right. So let's stop right there. So a, a, a big thing that I want to point out right now is there's a there's an amazing book. It's seven levels of communication that is I mean, it's in essence, when I read it, I felt like I could have written it, although I'm not an author, but it was already how I was doing business before I even read the book. But uh, I share that with that, that book with new people because although in the first episode I said your sphere of influence, the people you know will not use you in your first year because they know you have no idea what you're doing. 
But on the other side of that, if we can launch a very professional letter talking about who you've partnered with, whatever company you choose to go with, use their numbers, talk about having a, a rock star mentor, and then they start seeing through social media and you know word of mouth that, man, you're killing it. You got your first deal done in three months. You've got two or three coming up, and they start seeing all this celebratory type social media posts, which is what you should be doing. Uh, all along the way anyway, they're going to use you faster. But if you don't have, you know, 10 or 15 cheerleaders that you can go to, let's just say 10, that you can sit down and go, you know I am brand new at this, but I am not going to drop the ball. I'm going to give them 100%. I've got a mentor that will be beside me every step of the way. I mean, there's 10 people that love you enough that if they hear somebody buying or selling and hopefully them themselves, if they look to buy or sell, they will go ahead and use you even though they know you're brand new. Now, maybe your mama and your, your uncle and your, your brother, they may be really, really close to you, but there are, you've got to create that inner circle of cheerleaders. And there's even books out there that you only have to have 20 people. And that's all you need for marketing. Now, I, we like to have about three legs here. We want your sphere of influence. We want you working, you know, the team leads that our company generates. And we want you to have another leg, kind of like a three-legged stool. But in this case, Jim did exactly that. He wrote them all out and he started having these conversations, which you're going to hear in a few minutes. You're going to see the results of that. But he's building that building block along the way. So let's keep going. <laughs> yes, that's that what is, we want to happen the first three months. Is, your phone never stops ringing because that means yeah. something is happening. You're not just sitting there yeah. waiting for, for when watching the paint dry on the yeah. walls. So, But yeah, phone never stopped ringing. And uh, I remember, you know, a conversation you and I had where you said with the devotion that you have to being successful, if you will just not say no to anything, I will help you. Never say no. But you cannot say no to any opportunity that I put in front of you uh, because you'll learn from it, grow from it, and start to build a business from it. So, Well, and some of those not saying no's was I wasn't able to make it to, you know, Lebanon to show a house, which was, you know, Lebanon's 45 minutes away, and my time blocking uh, something popped up, and I couldn't make it. And I'd be like, all right, Jim, I need you to go to Lebanon they may or may not make an offer. They may or may not like it, but it's 45 minutes there. It's 45 minutes back. And, you know, I'll figure out how to get you paid uh, based on what needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But not saying no, there's a lot of miles you put on that truck. I mean, you, your truck passed everything but a gas station that first three to six months, I'm sure. Because you, you literally took that at face value. You did not say no. Uh, you were like, all right, I'll do it. And you literally did it. And I still say that today. I don't know that I've said that yet on the podcast, uh, but I still tell new people, just don't say no. If it's at all possible, just go do it. Whether you're making $25 to unlock a door for one of our top producing agents, or they're going to split part of their commission with you and you get to write the offer. I mean, just don't, because it's not about the dollar at that point. It's about the time log and the experience in front of eye exactly. to eye with people. Exactly. Right? I mean so I just said, it's not about the dollar at that point. And you're thinking, man, I've got to make some money fast. And we're now, you know, a month in or four weeks in doing, you know, 40 to 60 to 80 hours a week. And I'm serious. If you're not doing that many hours, then you have misunderstood what the true requirement is to succeed in real estate when you're brand new because there's a massive learning curve. Jim was already rocking and rolling for three months. That's a long time. And not saying no every time. I literally cannot remember a time that he said no. He figured out how to make it work. And that in itself, when you can say, all right, no matter what, if it's humanly possible and my family can bear it without me for me missing dinner or uh, not be able to get to a game, a soccer game or something along that lines for for a very short period of time, there are some sacrifices that have to take place. But ultimately, down the road, now the guy can say no. And we're going to cover that a little bit more uh, in the interview. But he did not say no, even though he was putting in that many hours and not seeing anything as a result sometimes, he still pushed through. 
that's going to be one of the roadblocks everybody faces and goes, man, I feel like I am spinning my wheels, not making anything and putting all effort in. Don't forget this spot right now because you're going to be there one day and you got to keep pushing. In my past career, I'd spent six years in college, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for the education that I had. Um, and with real estate, you know, in Tennessee, it's just a two week course. Right. And, you know, the experience or the cost of entry is very low compared to the past career. Uh, so, you know, I definitely chalked up a lot of that to the cost of learning and getting experience as well. Absolutely. And, and sometimes you can't even pay for some of the experiences that you went through because you're all your first ones. And I call it making you a better agent. But your first one seemed like everything that could fall apart does. And, you know, we're always jumping in and going, OK, do this. This is what you need to anticipate, things like that. But for rookies, I mean, if it can fall apart, it's going to fall apart uh, yeah. just because you're so excited about anticipating like this is going to be my first one. I'm like, OK, that one died. Now yeah. let's go get another one. So yeah. you stuck with it. That was great. So right at the three month mark, I did close my first deal. So it took me three solid months to find my first buyer, find them a home and close my first deal. So we're talking about three months, you know, 12, that's week, 40, 12, 12 weeks. Yep, 12 weeks. With working no 40, 60, maybe even 80 uh, hours a week yep. of running the gun and shadowing agents, uh, making calls, all the things that you've got to do to get ready. You worked 12 weeks before you got your first paycheck. Tell me about your first closing, the details. Do you remember it? Yeah, I remember really well. Um, you and I, I was shadowing you on the listing and you were going to be listing this home for a, a couple that you knew and you and I and uh, Justin, my brother-in-law, were headed uh, to go shoot guns. We were just going to have a guy's afternoon out and uh, we were talking about the house. Justin had just got engaged and uh, we started asking him, hey, what are you going to do? You know, after after you and your wife get married, are y'all going to stay in Franklin or whatever? And started talking about this house right in the middle of Franklin where we live and, uh, you know, being a great, great first time home buyer or a great first time home for somebody. Uh, got him motivated, showed the house to him and uh, showed him a lot of other houses and Rebecca and they realized it was a good investment. It was a good time to buy for them. And uh, so you were actually represented the sellers because you knew them. And then I represented Justin and, and Rebecca my brother and sister-in-law uh, is the buyers. That seems like a lifetime ago. It did. It Good is. gracious. Yep. So your first purchase was your brother-in-law, who you had first breached a subject with, driving down the road to a hunting uh, weekend, and that's the first guy you sell a house to. Man, how awesome is that? I've, I've, I've really, truly have forgotten that. All right, so at what point in your first year did you reach the feeling that you had done the right thing, that this profession really was for you? Well, honestly, it didn't really click in the first 12 months of business. It was month 13 when it really clicked, and uh, it was in May of 2017. So I'd had my license for 13 months. Um, and at that point, I was consistently closing business, consistently helping people, and I was beginning to generate, at that point, more business than I could handle myself. And so I was able to help some other agents gain some business. So 13, 13 months in. 13 months in. You're handing off stuff. Is when it really started to click that I was doing the right thing. Wow. So 13 months. I mean, you, we, we talk about the people don't make it their first year. Nine out of ten. You're now 13 months in and on a team here and you know, having to find another agent to help you do something because your schedule is too full. That is, that just, it's so empowering to build that confidence to wake up and go, you know, I made it. Like, I, I know we beat that in your head of going, most don't make it, dude. You can't say no. Don't give up. Don't quit. Come to work. And you did all of that. And that's why you made it your first year. But to have that, I remember that feeling for me and I don't remember what month it was it's probably further along than yours uh, but the first time that I had made more in one month in real estate than I had in one year of being a police officer I think and I just like okay 
I think I'm going to be able to do this. And I had not looked up until I'd seen that and realized that. I'm like, okay, all right, let's just keep going. Keep your head down. Don't look up now. Just keep going. So uh, that's that's amazing, 13 months in. I wonder when that was for me. I'll have to think back. So what was the hardest thing to learn and be confident with? Because you're jumping right out. I know you're, you shadowed me for a while. You shadowed other top agents in our company. Uh, but really, at what point did you, was it the, what was the hardest thing to really be confident with uh, and to learn and, and just to know that you know that you know it? For me, with you instilling never say no, the hardest thing for me to accept and learn was that not every customer or client was a good fit to work with. Oh, yes. Yep. Um, it's really hard when you have a ready, willing, and able buyer who has the, the means and the money to buy something and they want you to help them and for you to have to turn them away. That was the hardest thing. Well, and there's many factors, and we'll, there will be times that we dive into that. And that may not make sense driving down the road, but you do get to a point where you can figure out whether or not you're, you have the ability or we as a company have the ability to do what somebody wants you to do. And sometimes either they're too lofty of what they expect or it's unrealistic or you know you can help them, but because of what they want and there's no changing, uh, you've got to let them go. And to let somebody go... That's a big deal. I mean, the the presentations usually is what I was expecting you to say, honestly, because that the majority of our new people, that's what they struggle with the most is they don't have to come in and sell themselves because they, they joined a team. So they can sell our numbers and right. our successes, which is it's helpful and that's you know, that's a pro and a con of going with the brokerage. You can sell the brokerage's, you know, numbers, but that's usually their biggest, you know, challenge is to get through a presentation with somebody and convince a seller that their biggest asset is going to be in your hands. And you know, hopefully, they don't ask you, "Okay, have you sold a house yet?" That's usually what I was expecting to hear. And yours was to release somebody that you knew wasn't going to be a fit. And that is, I mean, that's a three, five year type experience and knowledge. You're going, you know, I'm to be able to walk away from a client. That, that's further along than most people ever get to, number one. But two, to know that. So that's, you know, that's great. That's good to hear. So was there a point that you were just praying that an appointment would end because you felt over your head? Did you ever get to that level where you were like, oh, my gosh, please don't ask me another question. I don't know what to say. Did you? Twice. Okay. Twice. I've got two examples. All right. Um, they were both uh, listings early on. One of them was a listing that I had already secured and we had been marketing for a few months and the seller who, um, you know, I, I knew from past relationships, uh, called me over to his house and he was actually calling me over to fire me Oh, because we had not sold his house and it had been on the market for two or three months and, you know, all the other houses in that area were just flying, flying off the shelves. And uh, so he had called me over to release me from my duties. <laughs> <laughs> Polite way of saying you're fixing to get canned. And, right. um, you know, I had just taken what little experience I had at that time and what knowledge that I had about the market and about us, you know, and our team. And I was actually able to convince him to give me 30 more days to try to sell his house after an appropriate price adjustment. Oh, so it not necessarily didn't come down to experience. It came down to price. Doesn't it always come down it to did. price? It did. Um, <laughs> so you were getting fired, and you talked your way back into another 30 days. Now, what did you have to lose, honestly, at that point? At that point, nothing. Right. At that point, nothing. But, uh, you know, the gentleman you know, was a friend. He was in the middle of my sphere of influence, and I wanted to do what was right for him because I didn't want him to walk away with a, a total – you know, bad taste in his mouth about me and about us. All right, here's a really good point to make in the aspect of I can't create in Jim. No matter what I can teach or what I know, I can't create in Jim. He just said I wanted what was best for the client, and the client was inside of his sphere of influence. So he knew him, it was a friend, but I wanted what was best for him. 
That's the part when I was when I mentioned the word intrinsic, I can't teach that. And Jim literally already had that in him. It's what we look for when we look when we're interviewing agents. It's what we look for when when somebody says, "Hey, I," you know, they put their hand up and go, "I want to be in real estate." And we start talking to them. We're looking for what their level. Everybody has a level of a meter to which they can say, "Look, this isn't right." I've got to do what's right. This isn't right. Here's what we need to do. Uh, and I just heard that with Jim saying that. That's the intrinsic value that's already programmed inside of you. And if you don't have that and you're only looking at numbers and you're only looking at closings and the dollar, that will get you in a position where not only will you get yourself in a lot of trouble, you're going to get a client, a buyer or a seller in trouble if you can't distinguish with a very uh, deep down passion knowing that there's right and there's wrong be able to uh, distinguish between the two and figure out it's not about the money if a deal closes great you get paid you earned it uh, go and celebrate but sometimes you have got to kill a deal or make adjustments inside of a deal and I can't always teach that it's already inside it's inside of gym it's inside of the people we strive to hire and work with on our team always do what's right no matter what. I love that he shared that and that you're getting to hear that because there will be times you've got to make the decision. Do I do what's right or do I chase the dollar? And if you choose to chase the dollar, it may not burn you the first time. It may not burn you the second time, but it will eventually burn you if you're only looking at dollars. So just deprogram that from your brain. Do what's right no matter what, even if it's killing the deal to save your client, to do what's right. Keep that in mind. It's going to come up, I promise. Um, you know, so I did everything that I could to convince him to give us one last opportunity. I gave him, you know, a nice discount on our services to try to get that opportunity, you know, to serve him and, and to meet his goals. Right. To make it right. Yeah. I've, I've been, uh, I remember an appointment that I had that uh, I was actually covering for another rock star killer rock star agent in our in our company and he's like hey I, i'm stuck at this appointment i can't make it back in time would you cover it it's just a buyer's appointment guys bought and sold many houses i'm like sure i got this and literally he come in and goes so where's he at you know i'm like well he couldn't make it he tried he called me i'm available i'll take great care of you and this guy crossed his arms and gave me this death look for about 30 minutes and i'm like how soon can this appointment be over? Because, I mean, every bit of what I could do to try to, I mean, I just connected with his wife because he was not, he wasn't uh, giving in at all. I thought, I want to be out of this. And I'd already been an agent for a long time and I wanted out of that appointment. So let's put into perspective, nine out of 10 don't make it their first year. The average agent in that's experienced makes three to five transactions a year. So how many transactions did you complete your first year uh, number one, and then how did it feel to win Rookie of the Year with our company? Big questions. Yes. With proud answers, you know, humble but proud answers. Uh, you know, with my diligence at work, your help, um, doing everything that you told me to do. Uh, the first calendar year, I got my license. I received my license in April, sold my first house in July, and between July and December, sold 15 homes. Right. 15 homes really in the third and fourth quarter of the year right but the first you know quarter was well you got your license so the second quarter you started building your hopper and dropping people in making the calls three months in july you got your first closing and then the last two quarters continue to work that sphere so yep. 16 you said right 15 15, 15. Uh, transactions your first year and i remember it was down to there was you and another uh, newer agent uh, yeah. that had been there a little bit longer, like had already gotten the ball rolling. Uh, it was down to the last week of December. You guys were neck and neck for Rookie of Real Estate, uh, Rookie of the Year award. And uh, I, I had and, and loved this other guy as, as much as you. Uh, and I told my wife, I'm like, how do you cheer for one or the other? I mean, this is their neck and neck and you were thinking this deal was going to die. And I think like either December 21st or December 28th, you closed that last deal that won you the award. Of course you, I don't know that you knew that or not, but we knew that we were watching it. 
and of course we had our launch party in January and you won the award but uh, you transitioned from your day job to now what you know is your dream job uh, in the first year doing 15 transactions winning an award against some good agents you had I think two other people three other people that you were competing with uh, and you beat them and you were a quarter behind when you came in I mean what your conversations you had with your wife with with I mean, your family, to when you got that award, tell me about that. That's a big deal. So, I mean, it all started with you. You had run, you had uh, won the Rookie of the Year Award when you started. And uh, you made a picture and copied off a picture of your award, and you pasted my name over it and gave it to me. I don't know if you remember that I do not. not remember that. <laughs> but you did that. and uh, Sounds like something I would do. Though. I taped it on the wall right in front of my desk. And, uh, you know, I would stay up many late nights, even into the morning sometimes, working on my sphere of influence, working on handwriting and signing cards and letters for people. And uh, and what you made me kept me up at night and drove me to get the task done to be successful. Um, and really the big thing that I saw through this was, you know, historically over the past, you know, six or eight years, all of the agents who had won the Rookie of the Year Award, went on to become successful, established real estate agents with successful careers. Uh, so for me, it was almost like a rite of passage or, you know, like a task that had to be completed to be successful. Um, you know, so I was all in. You're right. That last deal closed December the 28th. Okay. So you remember that. And... Um, you know, honestly, when you started presenting the award and you started talking about it and you started putting baby pictures of the award <laughs> recipients. <laughs> well, the, I kind of gave that away on early. the teleprompter. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize they were pictures of me. I thought they no were kidding. pictures of the other guy because they were baseball pictures. He was a baseball fan. I wasn't. And like I started patting him on the leg and like patting him on the back saying, congratulations. I thought it was him. Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah, um, I didn't know that either. That's great. But, you know, it's it means so much to me to have won that award. Um, and I do contribute it to, you know, mentoring and coaching for sure. Well, there's a lot of, and I appreciate the kind words, and, and there's a lot of people that poured into me. Uh, and there's a lot of people, top agents, you know, in companies that pour into new people. Um, and together, a collaborative effort. If the person's willing to do the work, there's always great, you know, passionate agents that are willing to help them along if they'll get out there and kill something and drag it home. Uh, so, I mean, I appreciate the kind words. And, you know, Terry did that to me. Tara pushed me. There were some great agents that I could list as well. Uh, knowing that. So I want to pause just for a minute. It, it brought a thought back to me when remember. Terry DeSelms was 38 years old when he started in this industry and got his real estate license and began and became the first and only billion dollar agent in Tennessee. So uh, when he was, he told a story one time when he got started, he went around to other top agents and said, Hey, can I, can I buy your time? I want to shadow you. I want to, I want to be you. I mean, can I compensate you? I just want to watch what you do. And he had several rejections. And Terry said, if I ever make it, this was a long time ago, and, and he remembers it very vividly, if I ever make it, I'm not going to say no if somebody is willing to learn and do the work. And he programmed that into Tara. He's programmed it into me. If somebody is willing to do the work and put in the time, then teach them everything you know because together even if they're not on your team terry went and shadowed somebody out west who had a team before teams were even in tennessee he went and shadowed a guy and spent a lot of money shadowing this guy and the guy you know he'd sold three or four houses by lunchtime or something crazy like that i'll have him tell you that story one day but he was like holy cow this guy's got this figured out spent a ton of money shadowing him he came back here and started one of the first teams known in Tennessee as the DeSelms team and and did really well with it but he promised himself and made up made a promise to himself as long as somebody's willing to learn I will always give them an opportunity and at first he did it for free and then as he got bigger and bigger and bigger and the more people knocked on the door 
he started charging a little bit for it. But even then, there wasn't enough money that you could spend to spend that much time with Terry to learn what he knew. And he was willing to just give it out. And we even now have our boot camps. We have other teams, REMAX teams, other teams that come in and buy seats at our boot camps. And we don't care. They're right down the road. But the pie is big. Pour what you know into somebody whenever you get big. Make that commitment now while you're a rookie that you're going to give back. Real estate is bigger than you. Get involved. Pour into somebody. It's very fulfilling. Somebody like yourself, sitting in rush hour traffic, as I mentioned earlier, listening to this podcast, dreaming of a transition like yours, what would you tell them? I've got a couple things. Uh, The very first thing I would tell anybody and everybody is being unhappy with your work, being burnt out at work, and, uh, you know, being broke are just a part of life. It happens to each and every one of us at some time of our life. Um, But remaining to stay in that situation is a decision that you make indirectly because you don't set goals and create habits for success. Um, So if this is a goal for you, if this is something you truly want to do, you want it to better your family, you want to better your finances, you want to better your time, you can do it, but you just have to be intentional about it. Right. Absolutely. Have a plan and then execute the plan. Yeah. You know, creating the, knowing, knowing your why, um, I knew that, you know, I had shared in that, in that particular episode that, you know, you looked at me and I don't even think you remember saying this to me because I'd mentioned it to you uh, that actual day that I recorded it, that I'm like, why real estate? And you're, you know, you're just kind of like, ah, I'm just tired of people dying on me all the time. And I felt like that. It gives me chill bumps even now. I felt like that was so raw and so honest. And then, you know, we got into the deeper layers of your why and, you know, I, I learned more, but that was the first response and it was huge. Do you remember saying that to me? I don't. Yeah. I don't. I it mean, was an emotional conversation uh, in a very emotional meeting and I don't remember saying that. Well, but it, I know it I burned was, I know I was feeling that. So I have no doubt that that's not the first thing I said. All right. So I, we're, we're digging in and I appreciate your transparency and, and you know, people are going to listen to this and hopefully you, you inspire them, but you're, you know, you're more than three years in now. So I, right there almost either on your fourth uh, year or something like that. Two and a half years. Okay. April coming up will be All right, third so year. coming into, coming into year three. Yep. What are your feelings about this profession? Uh, which I think you've already answered, but you know, your hopes, your fears, your long-term goals. I mean, tell me what are your, how has it transitioned your thinking now that you're, you know, coming into three years? It's totally, all of my life events have totally changed my thinking. Um, You know, I just now really feel like I'm getting beyond the novice stage to where I feel like I'm, you know, very efficient and capable at my job. You know, I feel like that without a shadow of a doubt, I can walk into an appointment and definitely tell somebody I'm an expert, not the best, but I can tell people I'm an expert. Um, and I just feel like there's a huge, uh, misnomer of what realtors do, you know, after being in this profession for almost three years, you know, I really feel like our clients, customers need us more than realtors. They need us to be a leader for them. We need, uh, to advocate for them. And, you know, with the, the stresses and the strains and dealing with clients over the past few years, I've realized shortcomings in my life that I need to improve on. Um, and definitely how to advise people better. Um, you know, getting into the profession, I wholeheartedly believe everybody needs a mentor and a coach. You know, I consider you my mentor because we have a personal relationship with each other. Uh, but still have a coach um, who can really hold you accountable and be hard on you. I really think that's important. Um, And more than anything that has changed my thought process is recently I have helped recruit two new agents to our team. And Well, that'll put a lot of weight on your shoulders. Yeah, yeah. So You're uh, talking to other people into getting (laughs) into a profession that is crazy hard, and now you feel intimately responsible for them making it. Yeah. You know, I told you uh, recently, I feel like real estate uh, and being a realtor is now bigger than I am. It's bigger than me because I have convinced through my actions 
led to people to come to work with us who have families, who have responsibilities, uh, who left careers that they had known for eight to ten years and, and brought them in. Um, you know, so my hope is to really make a positive impact on them and, you know, to spread our culture that you and I and Tara and the leaders here share uh, with them so that, you know, they can be successful. They can share it with agents when the time is right. Um, and, you know, my big hope is just to be able to provide for my family, provide for them, uh, and have a great time working together and enjoy our work. And, you know, on the, the flip of that is the fear of not uh, providing those things. Failure, not contributing enough to the team to support the team. Uh, because we have a great staff here who are salary who depend on our transactions to pay for their job. Uh, so, you know, my fear part of the paradigm yeah. switch of, you know, you're so head down and trying to get it's transaction, transaction, transaction. And then you eventually realize, okay, I'm, I'm good at this. And yeah. two, I'm enjoying this. And three, you wake up and this is bigger than me. You know, there's other people that actually do rely on you, yeah. not only your family yeah. and, and your success, but uh, your goals, Jim, I, I have no doubt that, you know, 30 years from now, we're going to be having another conversation, you know, celebrating, uh, the adventures of real estate together. There's there's so much fun to be had working with people that are, you know, the same culture and the same belief and 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 to push each other. And we we still even even last night. I mean, nine thirty at night. We're just double checking comps because of an appointment that you've got coming up. And there's times that I still come across the hall and, and go, Hey Jim, what what do you know about this? Because you've you've reached levels that I don't know in areas that I don't know. Because we get you know, I'm good at what I do. And then you've gotten better at something that I'm not good at in just three years. And now I've come to you going, hey, Jim, what do you think about, you know, this 650 acres and, and over here, what can we do with that? What do you what do you think that we can, what would be a good plan? You know, I've got an appointment coming up. So I appreciate the reciprocal uh, accountability. I appreciate you coming here and, and being transparent. There is somebody listening that is you three years ago trying to make the choice figuring out what it's going to take, and hopefully through rookie real estate, through uh, people in the industry like you that are willing to give back and pour in that can really uh, make their transition successful, if at all possible, given how difficult this profession can be to break into. So I really thank you for your time. Look forward to 30 more years together, uh, celebrating all the wins. Uh, you got a new boy uh, who watching him grow up, six months old now, so excited to see that process. So. Yeah, that changed um, my why real quick. <laughs> yeah, it does tend to adjust your why really fast when, yes. when there's little ones that start getting added on and more yeah. mouths to feed and uh, you know braces to get eventually and college funds and weddings and things like that. So thank yeah. you for your time, Jim. Anytime. I'm happy to see you doing this because I know and I see the effort and the time that you put into to the podcast uh, and how passionate you are about it. And I know that the listeners will definitely uh, reap, the, reap the benefits of spending time with you, hearing from you, and uh, hopefully they follow uh, you know, your advice. Well, that was very kind, and I hope that you can feel the transparency of Jim. He's a totally different person than I am. I'm probably a little bit more high-strung, got a lot more energy. Jim is just brilliant, uh, definitely a smarter guy uh, than I am when it comes to book smarts, and uh, diving in the books and, and really absorbing it that way. I'm more of a hands-on kind of guy. But, I mean, Jim's personality is even killed. He doesn't get worked up about anything. You know, I'm always driving 100 miles an hour, and Jim, he keeps up, and he's just going his pace. Uh, so we are two totally different people. You hear me on the first few podcasts already, and then you hear Jim. We couldn't be any more different in personalities, but yet the, you can hear his heart and um, his passion to serve and also i mean giving back already recruiting a couple people himself so uh, it's been i hope you've enjoyed getting to hear jim's story and can see yourself in one of our shoes my shoes or his shoes the process was about the same but it was critical for success to be prepared make a plan execute it and then go to work
All right, guys, that's wrapping this one up. Rookie Real Estate is produced and edited by Scott Parker. All of the content is written by me, your host, Kenny Stevens. Rookie Real Estate is powered by DeSelms Real Estate in Franklin, Tennessee. Now, say this one in mind. The vision of DeSelms Real Estate is to be an empowering partner, bringing agents, clients, and communities home. Simply put, we bring you home. We were able to help bring Jim home. This podcast is not designed to recruit agents, but it is to align with our vision. We want to empower agents and communities. I want this, I want this podcast to be for all brokerages, all people looking to transition. And until we meet again, guys, go and better your best.